Well, if you wouldn't mind grabbing your Bibles and, and if you are able to uh, get online and from the email I sent this morning, get your lesson plans, that'd be great if you could get your lessons plans out. That would be wonderful. <clears throat> I don't have a list of birthdays today, so I don't know who to sing happy birthday to. So if we don't uh, sing happy birthday to you today, then let me know and we'll make sure that we sing you happy birthday next week. Uh, also, uh, again, I plan on having, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, evening assembly. I'll be over there at the parks. And so there will be evening assembly uh, tonight online, remote. Um, again, I might be carrying the bug. The parks have been so gracious to open up their home so that I could bring the phone and they could do their, their uh, uh, Kirk could preach. So uh, anyway, so if you want to join us tonight at 6, that would be great. Uh, I want to, again, hope to have our house open uh, on Wednesday, but again, please wait for uh, a message from me to let you know whether we're going to do that or not. Um, Ryan is still uh, feeling pretty puny, so I don't want there to be anybody getting the bug. So, um, if there's any other announcements, uh, forgive me, I don't have those in front of me at this point in time. Let's grab our Bibles then and turn to James and chapter 1. James chapter 1. <clears throat> and a very familiar passage uh, to many of you. It's a, it's a great passage. Verse 19 and 20. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And uh, it would be very great if all of us could listen to that and actually do that throughout our lives, be uh, quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. But <clears throat> that's a, a, a tall order. And so this morning we're going to be looking at the idea that uh, when we lose our temper and when we lash out in anger, that's really a symptom of not trusting God completely with our lives. And I hope through the lesson this morning, I can actually show you uh, really how that, that works. And I'm going to bring several scriptures to bear. I'm going to ask you to remember several biblical accounts and events that would illustrate that anger really does show that we don't aren't trusting God as we ought. And so... Why am I teaching this? Is I want you to be aware of that so that you'll recognize I need to build my trust in God. Now, we're going to learn uh, a little bit more after this mini-series how to build that trust in God so that we can be trustworthy. And then we'll finish the year out by talking about how to build our trustworthiness. But I want to make sure that uh, we are making sure we're trusting God which is the, basically the core or the cornerstone for people trusting us. All right. Well, let's take a look at uh, um, the book of Psalms and chapter 37. Psalms 37. A very powerful passage in so many different ways and uh, great promises here. And so let's listen to the promises of God for those who would trust him. So Psalms 37 verse 4, 5, and 6. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. 
Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. So notice verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. And I want to encourage you to do your own study on what that means. Go back and find the, the, the Hebrew word for the word delight and do your Hebrew study on that word. And you'll be really amazed at what it is that we are called to do in regards to delighting ourselves in the Lord. And notice there's a promise in that one as well. If you will delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And I'm going to use this passage of scripture over and over and over again in the several examples that we will have. And so also to verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do it. He will bless you richly. But notice, we need to commit our way to the Lord. Not do it our way. Not make it our, you know, big deal. But rather serving the Lord. As we make plans, the Lord needs to be the master of those plans. And we need to be in subjection to him. We'll talk about that a little bit more today as well. And then trust him. Trust him that he is going to be there for you and provide as you need and as I need. And then finally, it says, he'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. So in verse six, I say, just watch and see how the Lord blesses. Why do we get angry? Well, I'll tell you why I get angry. I get angry because I think I've been slighted. I get angry because I think that it's not going the way I think it ought to go. And I think that's pretty common. What we're going to do this morning is, first of all, I wanted to find what does the Greek say about anger in regards to James chapter 1. It says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. What is that anger that, that keeps us from manifesting the character of God? I want to look at that first, but then I want to take a look at what are the sources or the causes of anger? There are three general areas that I have researched and discovered, and there might be others as well, but, but if you'll notice in your, in your lesson plan, I have them highlighted in, in yellow. The first one is emotional hurt. You know, oftentimes when we're emotionally hurt, we, we strike out at others. It might not be the person that has emotionally hurt us. It might be that we strike out or we, we uh, uh, treat others poorly who really didn't have anything to do with that emotional hurt. Um, another one is injustice. And I'll tell you what, I get really cranky when I perceive an injustice, but I have to be careful how I, I uh, uh, present that. There is such a thing as righteous anger. Scripture says, be angry and yet do not sin. And so anger is something that does occur in a person. Remember when Paul walked into Athens and he was provoked in his spirit. He was angry at what he saw. How these people had ignorantly given themselves to, to debase themselves and all these idols and gods. And yet... He took that anger and he funneled it so that he might do a great work for the Lord. So he was angry, but he didn't sin. And then, then because I believe there was injustice he saw going on there. 
And then the finally is frustrations, annoyances. There are so many in our lives. And so uh, we'll talk about how each of those has a scriptural basis. We see them actually manifested when people lose their tempers. And then we'll also see in examples where there were faithful men who overcame that anger, as Paul did, in doing what was right. So let's begin in point number one, looking at the nature of anger. The Greek word there that I give, and you can look it up if you would like, but in doing my study in not just the Strongs, but the Thayers and the Vines, I came to realize that it's, it's, it, it's this churning that goes on inside. Uh, the very first thing that you would read in Thayers is that it's an eternal motion, this <coughs> churning. And uh, he also uses the word a swelling up inside. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody get angry, and it's just you can see their, their face turn red. I've actually seen that in people, and not blushing, but just angry. So there's this churning inside. You can actually see a physiological uh, representation of that. And literally, it's just like that. And may, some of you have probably seen that. Uh, but as you take a look a little bit further, it's the agitation of the soul. Now, the soul is our psyche. It's our, our personhood. We get angry because of something that's happened to us or in our life situation. Um, it says, an agitation of the soul with impassioned impulses of any violent emotion uh, to inflict retribution and punishment for um, a pain that has been brought into your life. I would ask you to, to take a look at Ephesians and chapter 4, verse 30 and 31 when you have time. It says, do not grieve the spirit. As spiritual men and women... Losing your temper, being angry and wrathful is going contrary to the Spirit of God. If we truly trust God, even in the great difficulties in our lives, God could be using those difficulties. God could be using those frustrations, those, those hurts for us to seek Him, to trust Him, to draw nearer to Him. And uh, we're losing that opportunity when we, when we lose our temper and we become uh, selfishly driven and angry. And then, of course, um, chapter 4 and verse 22 literally says that we need to make reference to those things in our lives in context to the losing our temper, those things in our lives that are driven by the carnal flesh. And we need to put those out of our lives. So, you know, really anger needs to go. It says that in both Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4. Get anger out of your life. Well, let's take a look at some of the sources of anger. Well, the first one is, is uh, emotional hurt. And, and what could cause emotional hurt? I've written down what could cause emotional hurt. And, and it's, there's so many, but I've just written a general statement. When we feel or experience rejection, uh, betrayal, uh, humiliation, uh, or being invalidated or, or you know, kind of cast aside, scapegoated, um, not loved, not appreciated, not valued, um, which unfortunately does happen quite frequently. Anger becomes a protective wall to keep people out, to keep people away. By lashing out 
towards others and towards those who have hurt us. Uh, returning emotional, verbal, and physical retaliation uh, so that we don't get hurt again. It's easy. That way we just get angry and we treat people poorly uh, so that they can't hurt us when in fact we are hurting inside. And it brings that kind of, of outward, impassioned, violent, emotional response uh, to towards others. And sometimes, unfortunately, often, not towards those people who have actually hurt us. I mean, how many times, and, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand or do a blink or do a thumbs up, don't do that. <laughs> but how many times have we experienced when uh, something bad has happened to us or somebody has hurt us that the next person we see, we kind of take it out on them. I don't know about you, but I've done that before. And it's not right, but I've done that. It illustrates the truth that when we are emotionally hurt, anger has a tendency to come forth from that. Well, let me give you an example, and you know this example. Do you remember Jacob had 12 sons? But before, before they, he had his 12th son, Benjamin, he had 11 sons. He had 10 sons, and then, of course, Joseph came forth from his beloved bride uh, of, of his uh, heart, and notice, Jacob told the boys and expressed in so many different ways that Joseph was his favorite. So what happened in the hearts and the minds of those 10 other boys? Man, they hated Joseph. And they actually, in their anger, intended to kill him. And so, so notice how this, this emotional hurt can build up inside to the point of doing some very awful, terrible things in anger because of the emotional hurt. You know, and I think everyone would agree, having read that many, many times uh, in your life, that that's exactly what happened. I have to share with you from my own personal life, um, and many of you know this, I had an anger issue. My wife knows full well I had some pretty serious anger issues, even in my young Christian life. And my anger issues actually stemmed from, come to find out, and I'm not blaming it on my dad, it was my response to what I perceived as being um, minimalized, uh, not loved, not valued uh, uh, as one of his sons. And I would hear things, kind of selective hearing, where he would seem to be praising or appreciating the other boys and not me. And here I am, his namesake. So that really hurt. And so for a long time, I was just angry at the world. And uh, I expressed it, not so much to my dad, but to pretty much everyone else. I had a short fuse. And maybe some of you in the audience who've been with me for many, many years remember uh, that man. Well, that man is gone. That man is gone because I came to realize that my Father in Heaven loves me so much. And I didn't realize that until after my father had passed away and I was desperately searching for that love that I never had or perceived that I had from my dad. And I found it finally in understanding the love of God. But I have to share with you that uh, trusting the Lord in, in deep and excruciating emotional pain 
Um, the best example I saw of the man who did that was Jesus Christ. So take a look in your notes, Christ's emotional hurt. I'm going to let you read once again on your own the book of Luke, chapter 22, beginning in verse 47, when, when uh, Judas comes up and betrays him, betrayal. I don't know if you've ever been betrayed by a dear friend or someone you cared about, but it's gut-wrenching. It's absolutely life-changing. It's immobilizing. And so we see Jesus receiving that. And no, it wasn't just but a few minutes before that that he was in agony in prayer in the garden for what was coming. And I don't think it was just agony in prayer because of uh of the torture he was about to receive, but I think it was because of betrayal, and it was because of the rejection by all of those who he had come to save, being forsaken by his father, being separated from his father. Those things are deeply emotional and debilitating and could cause great anger. You know, the scripture teaches that he could have called down 12 legions of angels and destroyed the earth, but he did not lose his temper. He kept his temper, and thus we have the plan of salvation. If you would take a look at verse 43 and 44, he has been in agony and prayer. He was wrongfully judged by so many of the, the Roman and Jewish leadership. He was humiliated. They stripped him naked and crucified him on the cross. And there was open rejection by everyone that he had come to save. Talk about emotional scarring and hurt. And yet I would ask you to consider a few things. If we go back to Psalms 37, 4, the Bible says that Jesus delighted himself in the Lord. We're going to show a scripture in just a minute. That same scripture is going to show that he trusted his father because he saw what his father did to the Old Testament faithfuls and that what he would do for him. And that he was willing to wait on the Lord and not lose his temper. Let's turn to the book of Psalms 22. Psalms 22, you know that that's a passage of scripture. Literally speaking, what Jesus spoke, it really is just recording what Jesus would speak and what Jesus would think on the cross. Let's read it together. Psalms chapter 22, verses 1 through 10. Listen very carefully for the word delight and for the word trust. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Listen to verse 4 and verse 5. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Notice he's affirming how important trust in his father is. Verse 6, But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag their head saying, Commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he, they're talking about Jesus on the cross now, he delights in him. You see, Jesus delighted in the Lord. Jesus trusted in the Lord, his Father. And he waited 
not retaliating for the horrible suffering and excruciating pain that they put him through. He did not respond in anger, in retaliation. He did not respond in bitterness and spite, but he, in love, endured. I don't think any of us have ever been so emotionally hurt as Jesus was in that time in his life. And yet look at the amazing example that he left for us. He delighted in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. And he waited on the Lord for his deliverance. And the Lord delivered him and blessed him richly. If he would have lost his anger, if he would have lost his temper, heaven would be empty. There would be no Old Testament faithfuls in heaven. There would be no New Testament faithfuls in paradise awaiting heaven. You see, anger can destroy everything, and Jesus knew that full well. But yet he delighted himself in the Lord, and he trusted in the Lord, even in the worst of times, the worst of emotional scarring and hurt. Can we follow his example? I hope so. We need to. That's why we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because our anger does not achieve the righteous will of God. But if we will delight ourselves in the Lord, if we will trust in the Lord and wait on Him, the blessings will come. Let's look at the next one. Turn the page. Injustice. Injustice abounds. A, a lot of these people who are rioting are saying, because it's injustice, injustice. And yet, unfortunately, there's I think there's a more insidious reason by many of them the reason that many of them are doing that. But injustice is when you believe your rights or the rights of someone else have been violated. You know, think about this for just a moment. You know, Jonathan and David's relationship was absolutely amazing. This is the example from the scriptures. And I'm just asking you to remember this. Remember their, their friendship was so close. And King Saul hated David. And he wanted to kill David. And he expressed that to Jonathan. Notice Jonathan was provoked to anger and responded to his father because of the injustice that his father was planning on doing. You see, again, Jonathan was provoked and he expressed that so much so that his dad took the spear and wanted to kill him too. So it's important for us to realize that injustice, when we feel that we've been wronged, that we can lash out, and it could be to our own detriment or the detriment of others. And, uh, you know, I, I have experienced that sense of injustice several times in my life. Early on, uh, even as a Christian, I lost my temper publicly because of an injustice that had been done, not to me, but to one of my students when I was teaching at Willamette High School. Um, and I'm embarrassed to even tell you what I did, but it was a very violent outburst, and people could have been seriously hurt. I'm thankful that the Lord kept that from happening. Just recently, in, in 2017, uh, there was an injustice done uh, uh, to many of our law enforcement officers in the local area, and I was enraged. And uh, there were people who saw my extreme anger. But instead of publicly blowing up, 
I decided that I was going to do something like the Apostle Paul, thankful for Paul's example, that I was going to do something that was going to change um, that perception. And so the Thin Blue Line Coalition has been birthed, and, and there are many people now who are so appreciative of our local law enforcement and are willing to, to stand up for them. Well, I want to take a look at the, the response in trusting in the Lord when there's been an injustice. Uh, I would again would ask you to go back and read Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. You know that example very well. Here's the Apostle Paul. He just immersed a wonderful, sweet family into Christ, and he was going down to the river to encourage them the next Lord's Day. And there's a slave girl filled with a demon who's proclaiming that these men are from the Lord. And so he cast the demon out of that little slave girl. That's a blessing to her. And yet her owner was angry and ended up having Paul and Silas beaten mercilessly and thrown into prison. Now, there were several injustices done there. You might know what they were. First of all, he did a good deed. And he was punished wrongfully for doing a good deed. Oh, and by the way, as we learned later in that very account, he was beaten with rods before he had a chance to have any kind of court hearing. He was a Roman citizen. That was absolutely against the Roman law. And he could have brought that up. But what do we see Paul and Silas doing? that very night in prison? Well, turn with me to the book of Acts in 16. I want you to read what they were doing. And it's one little short little verse in Acts chapter 16, but it's so important to the presentation uh, for this morning's lesson. They should have been angry by, quote-unquote, a carnally-minded man's account. But what were they doing? Verse 25, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Praying and singing hymns of praise to God. I want you to look at your, your uh, uh, notes there. Psalms 37, 4 through 6. They were delighting themselves in the Lord. Remember, look up what that means. They were actually delighting themselves in the Lord in this terrible situation. They were trusting God that even though an injustice had been done, that God's will would be done, and they awaited. And we know that God's will was done. <laughs> there was another family and uh, many others who became Christians because they did not lose their temper of that injustice, but they did what? They delighted themselves in the Lord. They trusted God and waited on Him. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5, verses 15 through 18 what does that say? Do you know? Paul and Silas did exactly what that passage of Scripture says. And this is what we should do as well. This is a great example for us. You know, when an injustice is done to us, listen to the words of God in our response. What should we do? Instead of getting angry, which does not fulfill the righteousness of God, listen to what we should do. In 1 Thessalonians and what I have, chapter 5, verse uh, 15 and following. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What were Paul and Silas doing? They were praying to God and they were rejoicing, singing prayers of praise to God. That's exactly what it says here. They were not getting angry and returning evil on these people. What did they do? They delighted themselves in the Lord. They trusted in the Lord. They did what he said and waited for his wonderful blessing. And we now have a family in heaven. I can't wait to meet that jailer. I don't know his name, but I'll know his name when I get to heaven. And if it weren't for Paul and Silas doing what Psalms 37, 4 through 6 says, none of us would be in heaven. You see, it's so important for us to recognize the power of trusting God instead of getting angry. Anger actually shows that we're not trusting him. Now, the last one is, I think, for me anyway, probably the closest to home. Well, let's take a look at it. Frustration. I mean, how many of our how many of us are frustrated almost on a daily basis with what other people do, <laughs> let alone what we do? <laughs> have you ever been frustrated with yourself? Mm, I have. Well, notice frustration. When your plans and expectations of others and for an event or a situation do not measure up to what you desired or expected from it or from them. You know, we can also be frustrated when we uh, are ignored uh, or, our, or our ideas are marginalized and set aside. Those frustrations can happen. Or, you know, I went down to the DMV uh, here just the other day. Man, I had great opportunities for becoming frustrated, but uh, thankfully I've been working on this lesson and reminded once again that anger isn't going to get me anywhere with the people down at the DMV, but rather a smiling face, a, a warm word of greeting, and just listening to what they had to share. Well, what are some of the examples? Well, let me give you one that you'll immediately realize is correct. Cain and Abel. Cain was frustrated and became angry at God and angry at his brother. Why? Because his sacrifice was not acceptable to God. Now, he knew that, but he chose his own way. And so he became angry and ended up murdering his brother. You see, how many times have we made plans? And then our day that we planned out beautifully did not go anything like we planned. And we get angry and we get frustrated. You see, it's important for us to recognize and understand that uh, in trusting the Lord, the frustration with a bad day, well, bad days happen almost every day if they don't go according to your plan. Now, I want to take a look at some scriptures that might help you a little bit on this. And uh, yes, Psalms 37, 4 through 6. But look first at Proverbs 16, 9. Proverbs 16, 9. I'll tell you, this passage of scripture if you're not humble before God, can really be a frustration every single day. All right, take a look at Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9. The mind of man plans his way. It's important to make plans so you get an awful lot done every day for the Lord. 
So don't get me wrong. Let's make plans for today, for next week, for the next month, for the next year. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So I have written down in my notes here, we are the master of the plan. God is the master of how life rolls out. And so you can plan all you want, but God knows what's best. And when our day is not going the way we planned, it's not a bad day. It's the day that the Lord has allowed for us so that we would grow and we would learn and we'd be provided for and we'd be protected. We don't know what the future holds, but the Lord does. And so I'm thankful that he has given me a mind to plan the day. I get a lot done. But I've also learned in my older age that when things don't go my way, they're going the way the Lord has allowed them. And I can learn from it and grow from it. Well, let's look at some scriptures here that might encourage us. Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, trust in him, and watch what he does. But look at the next one, Proverbs 16, 3. Look at Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Commit your works to the Lord. Now, what does that mean? That we just have to sit around and wait till God to tell us how to live our lives? No. You start the day by planning the day and praying that God's will would be done and you would accomplish for him what his heart's desire is. And guess what will happen? You may not get your list done because someone may come into your life with a great need and a great concern uh, and all of a sudden your life, can, your plan can completely changes and you get an opportunity to help someone come to know the Lord. See, it's so important for us not to be locked into my plan, but be committed to delighting ourselves in serving the Lord. Plan our day? Absolutely. Plan our day to serve the Lord in a multitude of ways? Absolutely. But if it doesn't work out the way you planned, it's working out exactly the way that God is directing it. Man, with that mindset, life is good. We're not always frustrated. We are oftentimes blessed richly, more so than if we would have gone just with our plan. So it's important for us to recognize that. But there's a couple other things that I would want you to see there. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3. If you're going to memorize some scripture, why don't you memorize Psalms chapter 37, verses 4 through 6. That would be awesome. But also memorize this one too. Proverbs 3. Verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. You know, when a path is straight and unencumbered, man, you can get a lot done. You can get a long way down the road. And so if we'll trust in the Lord, if, if we will uh, not lean on our own understanding, because we're not as smart as God, that's for sure, and that we would then allow him to be the one that is the master of our day, the master of our lives, a lot more gets accomplished because we're <coughs> in subjection to his authority and his power. Now, brethren, we can lose our temper. We can become angry. And it might come from an injustice. But notice the injustice done, by, done to the Apostle Paul. And yet notice because he delighted in the Lord, he trusted in the Lord, and he waited on the Lord, 
that more people became Christians because he was willing to go with what the Lord had allowed in his life. The emotional pain and suffering that Jesus experienced, and yet he was willing to stay the course and not lose his temper. Again, if he would have lost his temper, no one, not one of us would have been in heaven. And then finally, of course, the day-to-day, the frustrations that come. We need to know, let's plan our days, but know that God is the master of that day. And he may have something better for us. We just need to be ready for it. So, brethren, I pray that if there's anger in your life and you have a tendency to be frustrated, you have a tendency to feel incensed about injustices or emotional hurts that may have happened uh, to you by someone or or a group of people or or just a, a maybe a misunderstanding, that you wouldn't lose your temper. You wouldn't become angry. But rather you'd go back and know that the Lord, first of all and foremost, has given himself in love uh, for you. And that as you would delight yourself in him and trust him, knowing that he knows best, that the blessings will come. As you are self-controlled and humbled before the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, we know that there are so many times in our lives where we can be offended, emotionally hurt. Um, we uh, can be incensed by injustice, a seeming injustice or real injustice, or frustrated, uh, things not going our way. And Lord, yet in all of those, anger is inappropriate. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that uh, if there is anger, we would first delight ourselves in the Lord and trust in Him. The Apostle Paul consistently uh, has been shown to be one who would become angry, and yet he would use that anger, dear Heavenly Father, to really serve you in a greater and more powerful way because he humbled himself, not losing his temper. Father, I pray that we could learn from your son, Jesus Christ, and we could learn from the wisdom from the book of Proverbs, how important it is for us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, delighting ourselves in you, trusting in you, and waiting for your wonderful and kind provision. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, Lord willing, you'll see us. To, you'll, you'll join us tonight at uh, 6 o'clock uh, when we present, uh, Mr. Parks will present from his home. So thank you much. And we will uh, see you this evening. Good night. Or good day. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.